Yo! What is going on? We are Convicted Christian Community. We're coming back to you with another podcast. How are we going? We're going really great today. We're um, it's uh, it's a beautiful Saturday morning. It and, is. Um, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We don't want to make anybody else jealous who's listening to it on their commute to work, probably on a Monday or through to Friday, really, because yeah. that's when normal people work. Yeah. Um, but whenever there's when is the podcast? Do we have an actual time that this podcast comes out on? Yeah, okay. it's usually on Wednesdays around about midday. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Some one of the Australian times. So that's when it comes out. Um, if you haven't done so, make sure you follow us on Spotify, YouTube, uh, Instagram, yep. all that jazz. TikTok, TikTok. We're, we're dropping out some crazy <laughs> funny content <laughs> on TikTok. We've uh, we started recording some stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, as in like some some sort of funny. Well, we think it's funny. It's a bit um, edgy. It's a bit edgy as uh, well. We think it, it's edgy. It, it, it may not be that funny, but you can let us know. Uh, give us a comment on how it's going. That's Actually, right. also, I'm feeling a little bit bit raspy in my voice, a bit bit, bit raspy in, 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 in how I'm sound, it's sounding. That's all right. I think it sounds better. I yeah. wish you were sick like this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it sounds a bit better. So apologies. I'm just trying to kick off a bit of a cold. It's not COVID to our producers over there. It's definitely not COVID. We're all good. Actually, I haven't had COVID yet. All right. Well, we'll work on that. Now, that being <laughs> said, uh, today... Is, We've uh, got a bit of a virus coming in to this room soon. And, and some more virus too. <laughs> it's actually probably a bit me. Yeah. Got a, have we got someone coming on? We, we joked know. about do it we, last time. Do we have somebody coming? Do we? Is there, no, someone, is there, is there somebody there? outside there? Hello? Hello? Whoa. Whoa. Uh, who is this? Who is... Okay. Okay, who approved this? Who, hello? <laughs> <laughs> who let the white guy in? Um, <laughs> so who let the dogs out? <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Boys, I'm your father, okay? <laughs> Bring it out there. Oh, we were wondering. Just, yeah, yeah, we just yeah. Wondering, yeah. yeah. The resemblance is uncanny, I it feel. Is. Yeah, it explains yeah. a lot. To, uh, to yeah. anyone who's not actually watching it and listening on Spotify or Apple, you probably want to check the YouTube out to see who this... Stunning. Beautiful human being mm. is in front of us. Tell us your mm. name. Who are you? Uh, my name's Craig. Um, <laughs> my name's Craig. <laughs> and I'm single. I've got, <laughs> owned 40 cats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know what to say to that, really. Um, but no, my name's Craig. I've known Hundol for probably four years. Four years. Is that all? It feels longer than it was. It feels longer. It feels longer. How long have you known me? Uh, uh, way less, probably three and a half. <laughs> probably about two and a half, maybe. Two so and a half. One of the pastors yeah. at church were like, "Can you, can you just be yeah. friends with can this you guy? Just... He needs help." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Even remember. I remember meeting you, um, but yeah. we've probably only. Do you, do you remember when we? I should remember our first meet story. Just you know, it's cute, cute thing. Um, you were going to the service before me. Yeah. Right. So five p.m. and I was going to seven p.m. And I think I was coming to have a chat to you. Yeah. And you were having a chat to, to Zubs. We call him Zubs. Yeah. And um, he's like, oh, hey, my name's Craig. Oh, I'm Dinesh. And we're just having a chat. And then he starts just roasting me <laughs> from the start. I'm not even All kidding, right. like straight away. And I was yeah. like, this, you normally in a church, you know, like people don't just yeah. go roast you. And I was like, I could take it. And I was like, I, I, I like this guy. He, yeah. he, he He's a gel with him. And then so every time I see him, he'd just 
boom, roast me, boom, yeah. roast me. So, yeah. and I think that's just kind of how we became friends, really. Yeah, that, that actually, that's probably a really good summary of who I am. Just, um, <laughs> just inappropriate and roasting people all the time. But, um, you know, yeah, no, with you, I really joke. There's this other guy called Josh. No, nah, it didn't happen. No, nah, it didn't happen. Nah, happen. Nah, no. <laughs> that's why sitting in the producing chair. Man. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, no, you boys are great. You boys are great. Oh, fantastic. Sorry. Well, that's, that's a, that's a that's very, a, actually yeah. really good summary. Yeah. Um, um, mate from church is coming along to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Give us a bit of a rundown of your life. How did you end up here? How did you um, end up as a Christian? So I uh, grew up in a um, you know typical Australian home, very very sporting home. Um, and you know the best thing about my parents' marriage was probably their divorce when I was eleven, um, <laughs> followed by my um, sister and my birth. So, um, <laughs> um, so you know that was that was hard. How you know we we grew up. Um, and the funny thing is now, and this is totally God's blessing. Um, so my family's a non-Christian family and my dad and my mum actually get along really well. So we do Christmas together. We do birthdays together. My stepmom and my mum swap plants. My stepdad and my dad joke around and have a laugh. Everyone's friends. That was a big thing. But yeah, growing up, it was, um, it was a very different way to grow up. And then when I was 14, I was sort of, um, uh, your emo kid. I was your typical emo kid. That Jeff, like long hair, long black hair. I didn't have long black. Hair. So I was the typical emo kid. Have long that, black <laughs> no, I was a blondie before I went bald. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just to qualify. Yeah, yeah, just to just to clarify that one. Um, I never wore lipstick either for the clarification. Um, but no, I I um. Oh, it tastes like you. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, so we have it back uh, for the next podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So my friend invited me to go to this church camp, and I was like, "Oh, you're a stupid idiot." I mean, look, I didn't say those exact words. They were a lot more colourful and four-letter words that aren't found in the Bible. Um, and my friend's like, no, there's really hot chicks, Craig, and most of them have probably never even kissed a guy. I was like, oh, I'm there. So <laughs> How rocked old were you? Up, were you like... up, I was 14. Okay, yeah, right. so rocked up to church camp and, um, yeah, sort of met Jesus and then went back to school and they were like, oh, you know, um, you know, how are you going, Craig? And my teachers were, everyone was a bit worried about me because my mental health wasn't great. And um, I was like, oh, I met Jesus. And my teachers were laughing at me. I was like, well, if you effing don't believe in Jesus, you're effing going to go to hell, you stupid effing idiots. Because I didn't realize that swearing was bad and that you weren't meant to do that, A, to your teacher, but B, also uh, I think as a most Christian. Christians don't realize yeah. that swearing is bad, present <laughs> company included. So, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I'm repentant of yeah, that. Every day. Yes. <laughs> but, um, so it was a big transformation. And then I've sort of been in the church ever since then for well, can, Do you want to ask like at this camp, like what, yeah. what was the thing that sort of went, um, uh, I believe in this. It was, so I, I was, um, I was not open to it at all and actually did my best to sort of let people know that. Um, and I'm not, backwards about coming forwards either and things. And this guy was like, oh, if you don't believe in Jesus, um, it was actually a, a pastor at the time from um, what's now called Influencers Church, you know, come okay. forward. Um, so I marched forward and he started praying for people. And I was like, oh yeah, you're going to get up and get like that. And they were falling over in the spirit and whatever. And I was like, yeah, you're going to get up and get 50 bucks. Like, come on, I've seen this on TV. Mm-hmm. And um, then he prayed for someone that was in my high school class, this girl who I knew was, in the same position as me, very anti 
and she fell over. And I was like, whoa. And then he prayed for me and I fell over and I had this real sort of supernatural encounter, which was mm. kind of a bit different for someone that doesn't think that way. Um, mm. But yeah, and that, then that was sort of the transformation. And then honestly, it, it took years and years and years and years and, and, and decades to for that transformation to continue. And it's, it's still happening today. Mm. That's an amazing story. That's really but cool. yeah, I mean that was that was literally it. Um, went home. Home life doesn't change. School mm. life didn't change. Pressures didn't change. Mental health didn't change overnight. But I had this um, church family, and I had uh, you know Jesus guiding me through things, and I made a lot of mistakes. Didn't learn very much from them. Continued to make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> um, still not learning from still them. Still not learning from them. <laughs> but Sounds in, like a convicted Christian's life. That's right. But in that, um, I think I came to the point of realizing that, you know, it was okay that God had things under control, that it was okay. It It wasn't up to me. It wasn't up to me to um, feel guilty and try to forcefully change myself. But it was about me being open and being transparent and getting to know people in that way. And ever since I've been like that, I've, I've sort of people come to me and tell me all their darkest secrets. And yeah. and that's quite funny. Um, yeah. Not funny, like, ha-ha, some of them a bit scary. Um, because there are some people out there with some real big problems. Um, <laughs> just, just to any of his friends who are listening to this, yeah. he does care about you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about these. Dang, this is a counselling session, isn't it? Um, where, where is this in the script, guys? Yeah. No, but I, one thing I do notice about you, Craig, is is you have this infectious ability to draw things out from people and for people to share with you. And yeah. it's not just you kind of prying into people's lives, but it, I think it comes from this uh, almost a safety that people feel with you. Yeah, and then after a few years, once I've got enough stuff and I can blackmail them, they don't feel safe anymore. <laughs> Sound like a televangelist, sir. Yeah, that's right. No, actually, no. actually you, you're um, you have an interesting uh, rap sheet, right? With the amount of uh, best man, oh, you do like you, you, you're a best man to many, many do you know, men out do you there. Know the numbers aren't you? to that. I don't know numbers to that, but you're a pretty popular best man, aren't but you? We're talking like more yeah, than, more I've been told a lot, yeah. I've I've been in a lot of weddings, but I try to get them to let me be MC because I can wear the same suit over and over again. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I've been and and some weddings like I, I lived in China for for uh, quite a long time, and um, some of those weddings where I was best man, I got there. And I realized that it wasn't even the right person that I thought was getting married. It was someone else that I hadn't met before, but they really wanted like a guaylo, like a white guy to be there, <laughs> to be there, like she best man in their wedding. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, and then, you know, oh, can you give a speech? But it has to be in English. So I was like, okay. Um, can you speak some Chinese for us? Oh, look, I can, but I won't. Oh. Um, <laughs> Introduce yourself in Chinese. Come Still, on. Yeah, uh, yes. This um, will get the views. Oh, this will get the views uh, uh, in mainland China where it's streamed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, of course. I, I don't know what to say. Like, like, say hi. My name is Craig. I am twenty three years old, uh, and and I do not like the two people in front of me. Okay, mm. okay. Um, Ni hao, wo jiao, Craig. Um, wo asha sansui. Pianren, pianren. Um, 那个两个帅哥，我真的不喜欢他们了。他们的大脑有一点问题了。
that, that that's crazy. <laughs> that's I'm just like I'm that not gonna lie, but like it like it's a, trippy. A, a, yeah, it's trippy. Yeah. A white dude speaking speaking Mandarin, fluent Mandarin. But get woke, you know, it's 2022. Yeah, that's, it's, that's, yeah, exactly. That's and true. I mean, you could say the same about two people of different skin color speaking fluent English. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you guys, yes. but it's not. It's not actually a talent. It's, uh, 2023. Like, it's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, um, oh man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's. Uh, but yeah, no. So, um, but I try to do MC, or I try to um, not be in so many weddings, just because. Um, I mean, they're fun. They are fun and and you want to be there, but they're just really expensive. Yeah. And I've got a bunch of suits that don't fit me anymore. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's because I like drive-thrus. Um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, like it, it's, it's great. Weddings are amazing and I encourage you to be in as many as you can. Um, but I also encourage you to have a wide diverse range of people that could be in your wedding like like when i was um planning a wedding i was like oh, i got down to 27 groomsmen that could have been in my wedding and i was like this is awesome and the girl that we were talking like that i was with at the time was like no 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 you need to cut that down further i'm like but i'll cut him off because i don't really speak to him but i was in his wedding and it's not fair and anyway it's all that all that jazz that's kind of boring eh? wedding yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and i've had a few bridezillas too many in my I, lifetime yo we should do a podcast on that I got the stories. Give some people in who are about to get married. Yeah. I got the stories for you. Just uh, so, anyway, you're talking about <clears throat> became a Christian. Life was transformed, mm-hmm. but but general life sort of stayed the same. Mental health was obviously yeah, the yeah, same. absolutely. Church home, so home was the same. Um, and I felt really, I felt really bad because I felt like after I'd become a Christian, I should have had it all together. Like I should have had everything in order and I should have had everything together. And I've realized that the people that I thought had it all together were just really good at being fake. And they were yeah. absolutely amazing people at being fake. And it's okay to be struggling. It's okay to, to have doubt. It's okay. You know, like, um, when you guys came to visit me at my home uh, and we went to church the next day, we heard this sermon about um, Thomas and I'd always felt really um, like I'd looked down upon Thomas because he doubted mm. Jesus's mm. resurrection. And the, the part, the preacher, the pastor who was speaking, uh, sharing the word uh, brought up the fact that, you know, Jesus's response was to show him his wounds. There was mm. no condemnation. There was yeah. no mm. anything in that. It was, it was real. Like, mm. like yet you have doubts, here, here you go, and and mm. and and so I've realised that for whatever reason I got in my head that I had to act perfect and be perfect and and not share doubts or not share struggles or whatever because that would be, um, you know, looked down upon when it, when really that's a culture that needed to change yeah. and it wasn't a reflection of me. Um, it was a reflect or or Jesus or God. It was a reflection on on the establishment that was trying to disciple and and it's hard to disciple someone when they can't be real so i value real friendship i value real relationship i value those phone calls at 1am from someone in tears i value the phone calls at 6am from someone who um is really nervous about a job interview or something i value that real relationship and i I find anything um that is fake i just detest and i walk away from quite fast so i feel like you're pretty similar to that yeah i I think we're all kind of similar in that that we we desire openness so much (laughs) Uh, in people because i mean what what i find so amazing about the bible is that it actually shows human nature in its yeah. most raw form like if you look at the old testament that is like the epitome of human debauchery and brokenness and mm-hmm. just everything that's wrong with it yeah. and 
And for us to look at a human being and go, oh, that person's really got it together is I think just outright wishful and delusional. Mm -hmm. And, and, and because, because the Bible actually shows that that's all human beings, right? It's, it's actually yourself as well yep. at the same time. So I think, and, and being open and bringing, you know, your, your wounds to light is how you're going to, you know, get on your path mm -hmm. to heal. So, yeah, I think that's something that, you know, that's something that we value as a podcast as well. Mm. Yeah. So we, we get yeah. people that come onto the podcast become as, you know, authentically um, share, you know, their faith um, because because when God meets you, God doesn't meet you from like a distance. He meets you intimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kinda, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Trips you to your core. Mm. And I think one of the days where, uh, and I think there is a change happening. One of the days where, where, where we respect fakeness, I think we really respect people that are being real. And I think we really respect people when they um, share a message that is from a place with, of, of real connection to. Mm. Um, and, and so I'm hoping that, you know, as, as these younger people move through in a very different world to what I move through, I mean, this world is changing every sort of 10 mm -hmm. years and yeah. a lot of those changes are amazing and some of those changes are a little bit scary. Um, but I'm hoping that what we get is we get a real authentic, authentic, authentic relationship with Christ yeah. and yeah. an authentic relationship with one another. Mm. And that's what I'm hoping mm. is, is the fruit of this and the outcomes of this. Mm -mm. Um, but again, you know, let's look back in two, three, four years and see what is happening and, and mm. how God's moving. Because mm. um, in the end, I'd love to say that we as humans have all the answers and we can reflect and we can have think tanks and we can have planning sessions. <laughs> but really, our brain is so minuscule compared mm. to the power of God behind yeah. Um, yeah. and what he what decisions he makes up there. So almost what I'm hearing from you is like a, a, an advice you can say to people to get that authentic relationships is to really back in that foundation in christ and and be open and vulnerable yep. with each other and that will eventuate into culture we have a huge issue with with men feeling like they can't be open or connected mm -hmm. um and i'm not saying that that there isn't an issue with women i think um there is a probably a, i mean all the research out there and all the sort of current media sort of speaks about men not being connected in that. And I think as Christian brothers, when we look at Jesus and his disciples, they were connected mm -hmm. and they did fail. And they, you know, um, you know, Peter was willing to chop off an ear for Jesus. Like <laughs> Jesus was the one that calmed him down, you know, <laughs> where's my brother that'll chop off someone's ear for me. You know? <laughs> that's what I want. Right yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I do think that's that as brothers, you know, we have an, uh, obligation to another to hold each other accountable, to motivate each other, to encourage each other, and to be there for one another. And I find that um, that can only happen when you're a being really real and b being quite selfless. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Your your character here, I feel, um, because I I know you, Craig, mm -hmm. is is speaking into and quite useful for I think for your work. Yeah. Can you tell me about your work? Uh so I kind of do a bit of everything uh, around sort of community development and vulnerable people. And I work for myself. What would you say your job role is, like, if you had to define it? Was that something like if you had to tell us, you'd have to kill us? No. <laughs> I swear, I, I'm yes, not going to lie. Yes, I work Because we will take that risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I swear, like, for the longest time I've known you, I've like, when I'm like, what does Craig actually do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like Barney in How Much Am I? Yeah. Please. And I, <laughs> Please. I ask that. 
I ask that question of myself quite often because um, when I worked for an organization, it was really good to have a job title. And I left the bureaucrats and sort of started my own sort of consultancy business. Mm, mm, mm. And I take people on case by case and we just work around things that they need. So whether it's advocacy or support coordination or some counseling or just some even community inclusion based stuff. So I don't really have a defined term for my role. I've just created a job that I love and a job that's paying me enough to live. And mm, um, that's amazing. I'm really happy. So, um, you know, I, I would love to be able to say to you, Oh, I'm a, I'm, you know, Dr. Craig and, uh, you know, master of nothing, blah, blah, blah. But I really, I can't because I kind worker. of, no, because I don't just do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I do a mixture of things. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is some of that element to that role. And of course, there's some training and education around that too. But um, I feel like at the moment, really, I just kind of just work with people. It's really hard to, it's probably not giving you the right answer you want for the podcast, but I literally work with people. I work with where they're at and we extend forward. So um, I'm going to say you're a discipler. That's what I want to call it. And you want to call me a discipler? Yeah. Well, look at you two. I haven't done a very good job ever. <laughs> <laughs> failed there. Time for a career you don't move. Fail there, man. Will you hire me at Woolworths? <laughs> I'll do anything else. To and it looks like, what, what you done? I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I tried with these guys. I, tried. I really tried. Jesus, <laughs> like it's okay, oh. man. I tried too. <laughs> I mean, the only one I had a moment of success with was Josh, but that's gone down the drain, hasn't it? <laughs> down the drain. Watch out. No. So working with people, um, what is the thing that you love about your job and what is one thing that you find really tricky about your job? I wish, so the trickiness thing I find is I wish that we had uh, more concrete answers to support people and I wish it was mm. one size that fits all because it's not. And I love that too because it causes me to be creative. Mm. But, you know, when I have an 11-year-old who is um, not going to school and hasn't been to school for over 100 days and then I've got a 60-year-old man who has just had an acquired brain injury who's still trying to adjust to life with this new brain um, and, and trying to work out ways to function, not one size fits all and, and you're constantly getting challenges and and trying to match the right matches for people to live successful lives. So that's that's the, the biggest challenge. And that's the thing that keeps me up at night is, uh, what if I get it wrong? Mm. What if I stuff this up? You know, these are people that have come to me. They're trusting me. The government's funding this. What if I don't get this right? You know, um, and they've come to me because I think differently. And they don't want the status quo. They've had the status quo. It got them nowhere. And they want something a bit different. Um, and so in that, you know, the challenge is always, how do I deliver that individualized service based on my skill levels and what don't I have skills in? Cause I don't have skills in everything, you know, what can I handle? What can I be an AFL player and just handle on? Because, but then also what is going to cause the least amount of anxiety? Cause with vulnerable people, quite often they, um, get handled between people. And that's how the whole life is. You're too hard, Hamble. You're too hard, Hamble. And I'm really proud that we haven't had to do that yet. Mm-hmm. So what, what is sort of like your core values? Like if your company had like a vision statement, mm-hmm. um, in, in view of these vulnerable people, which, yeah. is, which is a basket term yes. for these people, what would you say is your philosophy in, in, in approaching them uh, and, and what is your organization all about? 
So I believe that everyone's created fearfully and wonderfully made. And that doesn't matter if you are somebody who is amazingly good looking like you two, or if you're, you're welcome, or if you're somebody that has um, been born with quite significant um, disabilities and had your whole life being told what you couldn't and can and can't achieve. Mm -hmm. God has made you, he's created you. So I believe in that. I believe that there's a community for everybody and Mm -hmm. that um, everyone has the right to be a part of community and that the boundaries exist uh, can be both physical and cultural as well. And that we need to push those physical boundaries. We need to create ramps so wheelchairs can access buildings. We need to create um, braille so people that have vision impairments can access things in the community. Um, we need to make things accessible, but we also need to actually make ourselves accessible and we actually need to make our culture accessible. We need to make our churches accessible and we need to ensure that people are having genuine relationships with people regardless of um you know, if they've just come through a really messy divorce or they're going through some horrible mental health issues or they were um, born or have acquired a disability that um, has left them isolated, which unfortunately the statistics show the level of isolation around a disability or mental health. Um, and we need to break down those barriers. And so what I'm really proud of is that we find the right fit for people. And I've been mentored by the most incredible people that think differently, that uphold different values that uphold uh what life could be like and not just what life is and so that's what i would put so it's really hard to wrap that up in a vision statement and I've, the last four months i've tried to work out what a vision statement would be um and i i can't get there yet to en- to encompass all that but i do believe that God hasn't made, he doesn't make mistakes, Mm. you know, he doesn't make a mistake. And Mm. that if you're listening to this today and you're struggling with, you know, where do I belong and and how do I fit in and and is it all on me? Well, God hasn't made a mistake. And sometimes a community needs to change and sometimes we need to change. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt about that either. But in the end, there's a place for everybody and everybody should have real relationships that are freely given. You know, my my issue at the moment is we have, um, in Australia, we have this huge amount of funding being poured into uh, disability services at the moment, a, a massive amount of money, and it's achieving a lot, and I'm very thankful. But the fear I've got is that people suddenly are surrounded by paid people. Mm. And what happens when they need that emotional support that mm. should come from a friend or a freely given relationship or a family? Yeah. And we need to make sure that, that people are involved in community and that are connected mm-hmm. to whatever, to how, how much they want, mm-hmm. um, of course. Um, and that they're just not surrounded by people that are just paid to be there. Yeah, that they're right. surrounded by people that actually care and, and want to be there. And yeah. so that's my passion. And that's what I'm, I'm ruthlessly passionate about and will advocate to you know, I can't breathe anymore for, but I do believe that wherever you've come from, whatever mistake you've made in life, however, uh, you're feeling about yourself now, Mm. something that doesn't change, that is you're fearfully and wonderfully made Mm. and that there is hope for a great future and there's hope for, for you to achieve amazing things and with the right tools, anyone can. And I swear anyone can, Mm. if we give people the right tools and the right relationships and the right mentoring, yeah, people can achieve the most amazing, incredible things. Right. You, um, I really like how you sort of uh, redefine that like word accessibility. So um, accessibility isn't just a ramp. It is also, well, it is the ramp, but it's also the friendships and the, and the community yep. that surrounds it as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I have a question for you. Do you think churches are accessible? 
<laughs> in that expanded definition of accessibility. So it's interesting you say that because I remember um, this uh, local church came running up to me and they're like, oh, we've made this really cool accessible group. Um, you'd be so happy. And I remember going, oh, yeah, tell me more about it. And they've gone, well, one Sunday a month, we'll gather everybody who has autism together and we'll just have a meal and then they can all go home. And then we've created a community for them one Sunday a month. And I've looked at this person and gone, that might work for some people. I don't want to deny that doesn't work, nor do I want to put down their heart in that. Yeah. But yeah. everyone else goes to church every Sunday and churches need to find ways that they're accessible every Sunday. And mm-hmm. it's not just a one monthly thing. It's not like we are living in a castle and we lower our drawbridge and we let people in for that one hour and then we kick them out quickly and up our drawbridge and we're done. So I think that some churches have done an incredible job. I remember there was a young man when I was a lot younger. He's just a bit younger than me. And I remember just sitting there going, wow, this man has some quite significant social sort of disabilities. And, um, you know, he would he would come up and start talking to the back of your head, not realising you weren't listening. And, and I remember sitting there thinking, how are we going to help this person be included? And suddenly looking around and people would turn and go, oh, I'm so sorry, I wasn't listening to you. What were you going to say to me then? And he would repeat the same story every Sunday and people would take genuine interest. And mm. I remember... Um, it was his, he was turning uh, like 25 or 30 or something like that. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, I really need to make sure that um, our young adults in church are going along and supporting him at his birthday. And when I rang them up, they're like, oh no, we've already organized a present. We've already sorted out. We've got a group present coming and we've organized the cake and we've done this and we've done that. And, and I sat there and thought to myself, here's a man that I, I identified the barriers, but they identified the adaptability too. Mm. and they adapted their social constructs to make sure he was fully included and a part of things. Yeah. And I realized then that when you have the right culture of people, regardless of how someone presents, they can be included mm. and they can be a part and they can be valued and feel valued, but also contribute. And that's what this person did. Mm-hmm. He was a contributor. And, you know, it's still one of the most beautiful stories, but often enough I hear of people um, that just say to me that they've really struggled with with feeling included or feeling involved or, or, or feeling a part of or even, uh, you know, able to contribute. Mm. Um, you know, I remember one of my friends um, who is uh, nonverbal and uses a wheelchair and they were rolling down Rundle Mall and one of the street preachers came up and said, you're healed in Jesus' name. The person typed on their little computer and it just said, maybe you can ask my name before you pray for me because I know God values me. Mm. And I think that's a big thing. You know, we've got to value people for where they're at, yeah. love them for who they are and find ways to include people in. And that yeah. doesn't just go for um, people living in what we'd call like a sort of a vulnerable population, whether they're homeless or um, are struggling to find housing or anything like that, uh, disabilities or, or health conditions or anything like that. It goes for other races. It goes mm. for... Um, Allies in church, like people who... Exactly. Young people, old people. Like mm. how do we create a family environment that includes 100%. people in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep banging on about this is that like the church is not supposed to be a nuclear family of like mum, dad, brother, sister. Mm-hmm. It's like the church is being called to be the family of Christ means that like me and Craig, we joked about it at the start, but mm. that we are actually brothers mm. in Christ. Mm. Mm. You know, we don't look alike, but we're actually family. Um, mm. And so a church needs to adapt that model to see that everyone who, anyone who walks in is part of that family. 
and then therefore how do we actually go about caring and loving for that family really well mm. question i have though is i think churches can be challenged to to think about how they can be more accessible the reality is that sometimes they're not gifted in in the ability to love and care for someone mm. and that's why we have people who who have jobs in these positions that sure. can help people um and have more skills in helping them how does a church one i guess maybe link up with you know either organizations or or mm. people who do this job so that they can help to care for someone um and the second thing is how do they also go about um trying to adapt that into the culture I, I think it's really dangerous when we view um, that you must be a professional to be able to work with a vulnerable person. Yeah, um, okay. The reason why is that we've only sort of professionalized these roles in the last maybe 50, 100 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the professionals made a lot of mistakes. You know, we're talking about, you know, in, this, in the 50s, 60s and 70s, um, children that were born with disabilities, the parents were told, we'll drop them off at the institution and go have another baby. Mm. Uh, and now we know that that's the worst thing that could have happened for families and mm. the worst thing that could have happened for individuals. We know that we practice eugenics where we ster- forcefully sterilize people mm. at a very young age just because they had a disability. There was no, you know, there was no choices or control or anything. It was, well, uh, you know, we removed their teeth and that was professionals that did that. Um, so it's important that the church, regardless of the situation, realizes that they're not going to be the one and all for everybody. And they're not there to provide services for, they're there to create community and provide a link up to God and a mm-hmm. discipling matter and a connection to God and a, a corporate worship. But people do need other things in their life. Absolutely. Um, and it's important that, you know, the, the church recognizes that, you know, they, they, they do have a role in if someone uh, has got COVID and they need some shopping, uh, you know, people mm. from the church can go deliver shopping. Um, mm. They do have a role if someone's going through a really hard time to try to organize extra time to facilitate care and love for that person. Mm. Um, but sometimes with vulnerable people, um, you know, it, it can be a lot. And that's why we do have the paid professionals involved and it's about connecting. But I do think if a church is, struggling with uh, connecting to vulnerable people in their community, then it's their responsibility and the responsibility of their members, not just the pastor, mm. to work out how to do it better yeah. and to seek that help. Because what we're asking of churches isn't to create a positive behavioural support plan or to create a 12-step program or to, um, you know, fund, uh, you know, turn their church at night their pews into beds for people to sleep in. What we're asking them to do is to advocate on behalf and to spend time with people and to pray with people and to write letters to the local minister if that needs to happen or to rock up to appointments if need be uh, with that person as community, as I would do for any of my brothers. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've got a number of friends. We're in that age now where everyone seems to be popping out children and all I'm doing is popping popcorn and <laughs> eating it at home at night, covered. <laughs> um, but, you know, the the reality is is that I, a lot of my friends are, are popping out children and, and some of their children are having quite significant uh, developmental delays. And so they're ringing me up going, oh. what do we do about it? How do we get mm. around this? And oh. and so I'm going to meetings with them, but I'm not charging for it. Like, yes, I'm a professional, but that I'm not charging for that because mm. I'm their friend. Yeah. And that's what we're, our job is. Our job is to advocate and our job is to help stand there with vulnerable people. But we don't, we're not there as, you're right, we're not there as the professionals. We can connect in, we can give feedback if that person's willing to. But also our role is to, to, um, to advocate 
that they are a child of God mm. and that they do deserve mm. opportunities. Yeah. So it's a hard one. And again, it's not one size fits all because if it, if one size fit at all, we would all just like, you wouldn't need me. You wouldn't mm. need people like me. You wouldn't yeah. need advocates. Our society would be harmonious and what it is, mm. is anything but harmonious. It's full of people that are quite lonely, even though we're all connected with social media and mm. I'm literally on every social media you can imagine. Yeah. Um, the Chinese ones, the English ones, if it's out there, I will sign up to it. Not dating apps, just for the record, because <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. not desperate. Um, <laughs> sorry, Josh, I know that you had a good time on Tinder. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I'm not, um, yeah. And so I think that, you know, our, our role, we've got to identify what our role is. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, hey, um, did you, I feel like this information is incredibly valuable especially for churches. Did you say, do, do you think you've had a fair uh, representation of your thoughts to the churches and, mm, and have question. the churches been, I guess, open to your consultation of any sort or what, how, what's your regard on that? Yeah. Look again, it's, um, I think every church is a microculture to a degree and some churches were, in, uh, you know, incredibly, open and I'd get phone calls saying, can we just go out for a coffee? We need to talk to you about some of our members. And, you know, some of, some of their members were going through a really, really hard time. Mm. And, um, y- you know, they're like, you know, our rule is now that if they call us and they, they swear at us, we, we tell them we'll hang up and we'll call back in 10 minutes. And, mm. and so that just providing that some of that support was really, really cool around how do you, when someone's going through a really, really hard time, how do you look after them, but also look after your staff too. And mm-hmm. they're great conversations. To, and I welcome conversations like that. But I also remember having conversations with people like um, we had some, um, I was talking to a Korean who was going to a church, not my church, because um, my church that I that I grew up in, we had a, we had a big Korean um, congregation. And during their Korean services, a lot of the Aussies would go and just worship with them in a different language that they didn't understand because it was all about that inclusion. And that was a really great church to be a part of in terms of inclusion and, and cultural inclusion and inclusion of different people. Yeah, right. um, but, you know, sitting there and, you know, the pastor was like, oh, you know, there is a Korean church down the road that you might want to go to. And they were like, no, but I didn't want to go to that one. I wanted to come here and I suddenly don't feel welcome. And so I think that that's where you've got to confront that and actually say, you know, um, uh, we are one body of Christ and, mm. and we might speak different languages. We might eat different foods. We might have different mobility or anything like that, but we're all one body and we need to be open and, uh, you know, like a big warm hug to people. And that's how I think, I think um, it is. But certainly, yeah, I've, I've had great conversations. I've had really um, horrible conversations, not necessarily with pastors, but, um, but other people uh, and, and conversations where you leave there and you think, how do we get to this point where it's so racist or how do we get to the point where, um, you, you know, we're so disrespectful. But again, uh, I've had so many great conversations too, and I don't want to downplay that or, or taint that either. Mm. But the conversations are great and conversations need to happen and we need to learn how to think differently because if we're thinking that, that we're, the way we think aligns with Jesus, then I think we probably need to repent and mm. come back again around to it. To, to continue to develop those thoughts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for um, being on the podcast and lots of lots of interesting stuff yeah. to, to dissect there. Yeah. And that's, if there's anything that's bottling up inside you that you'd love to share as well, we'd, we'd love to have it back again as well. Yeah. Oh, no problem. I just feel that I probably should just apologize to Josh for 
um, just teasing him the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He doesn't have a microphone, so he's a really easy target. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, look, my, my final thoughts would be that I would encourage people to continue to find ways to think out of the box with how to incorporate and love on others. Yeah. Mm. Great way to end. Yeah. All Thanks right, CCC. Thanks we for will tuning catch in, guys. You next time. Peace.